All right, welcome back, everyone. I hope uh, your week was good. Uh, by the time this comes out, I have no idea what next week's going to look like for me. So, uh, we are joined in the studio again. Uh, we are doing Save the World Part Two, or whatever we're calling this armchair quarterback uh, session on how we're going to solve all the problems and what the hell is going on. Uh, not a lot of news to talk about this week, so we may as well just dive right into it. So, uh, what the hell is happening in Australia? Austra- they've they've lost their minds. Um, I don't know. Sometimes I saw somebody saying, you know, because some people are so surprised by how compliant the Australians seem. Now, there are some protests, but, you know, for every few people who are descendant of uh, prisoners in the prisoner colony, there's a lot of uh, guards as well, I'm sure. So that kind of maybe explains the dynamic there prison guards and I yeah I, I look at what's going on there and it's like how quickly can you devolve into like your base form it's uh it's it is really upsetting because just seeing that I mean it's not really a slow creep it's it's been happening relatively quickly but just all along the way the the rationalizations that or apology, the apologists make uh, for what's happening, you know, and it's always like, oh, you're exaggerating, you know, calling, uh, making analogies to the Nazis and everything, and you know, at some point, you need to agree that they're on that path. I don't, I don't know that. I'm not saying there's going to be death camps in Australia. I'm just saying, you know, we are at internment camps. Well, I think that's how <laughs> that's how people will like so quickly like shut down your conversation. Because, like, when you invoke anything to do with the Holocaust, which we don't want to minimize what No, it no, and I, traditionally I think it's kind of a lazy thing to do, I agree, but... But the thing is, it, Holocaust didn't start with gas chambers. Right. There were so many other, and fundamentally critical steps, steps that if they didn't take, they couldn't have got it to where they went. And, and I've always taken the stance, I've said it before, and I will stand on this hill forever, is if you're not aware of how it happened you're never going to stop it. So maybe this isn't it. Maybe this isn't the time it happens. But eventually, one day or the next, we're going to have a situation where something like that could happen again. And if people aren't in tune with how the hell it actually happened and on guard for those situations, you're not going to stop it. Well, I mean, I, I, I don't think we, we have the will to stop it. And one of the problems I see... Because I see a lot of people who I used to respect um, their opinions, if not everything they said, like uh, who they were. Um, but I think a lot of it depends on, like, you know, where they get to depends on where they took their, what position they took at the beginning, right? So, like, if you took the position that, you know, COVID is this drastic uh, problem. And the steps that we're taking, lockdowns, uh, border closures, all that stuff is, is good. Even quarantining, if that's all good, it's harder. The longer you hold that position, the harder it is for you to get off that train and say, actually, you know what, that's, that's, we've now crossed this line. It is too far because it's almost like you're, you're admitting that you were wrong all this time. But, I mean, I don't think you have to do that. I, 
I think you can say, you know, I, I was willing to go so far, but this this is too far. But, you know, you see people, specifically with Australia, when they built these housing, temporary housing facilities um, that were, you know, supposed to be just for international arrivals for their, like, 14-day quarantine or whatever. Um, and, and some people would say, well, you know, that's a reasonable thing to do. Okay, maybe you think that's reasonable. I think it's a little bit over the top. Not just a little bit, but I do think it's certainly over the top. But then, you know, and it's like, it's not like they're, you know, rounding up Australian citizens and just taking them against their will. Well, now, just a few months later, that's exactly what's happening. Yeah. It, that, that's literally what's happening. The original people, nonetheless. Right. So, and, and now they're saying, well, you know, they're not really concentration camps. And it's like, well, now we're getting into a semantic game of what do you mean by concentration camp. But, I just, I'm worried that... There's not... I don't know what the line for the people will be to say, you know what, no, that is too far. Because when you can round people up out of their house and transfer them hundreds of kilometers to a facility that they don't even want to... that they don't want to be at and they're not even testing positive for COVID. Not let alone. You should be... Even if you do test positive for COVID, you shouldn't be taken against your will for something like that well, but they're taking even close contacts that's what i mean yeah so it's it's beyond it's far beyond just cases it's if you walked past somebody for too long and they test positive you're now at, against your will and, and not only that you're footing the bill too is that right yeah yeah it's not it's not a taxpayer funded program i believe initial infrastructure was but your stay is not subsidized so you have to like it's like a pay and it was a capitalist jail really <laughs> you're paying paying for a room and board but like and here's the other thing I and I don't know but like people have jobs people uh, you know have, have lives going on maybe they have kids or pets even like w- is the state now stepping in to take care of them for the minimum two weeks that those people are being taken away um like <laughs> It's, it's just it's unfathomable that we've gotten there. Yeah, and I mean like, and I say we, it's the world as a whole. Yeah, because like, uh, I mean, at some point we're all complicit in in the actions of of the collective. But uh, like you saw the the video where the uh, in in Australia in Canada we call them Native Americans or Aboriginal people. They're Aborigines. Or yeah, whatever, in yeah. in. Australia. Australia, they call them original people. Right. Okay. Um, so, they had a chief speak out during during all this, speak crying for public help. They're, they're physically detaining and vaccinating these people against their will. We're talking about tribes that are already... The, the, the essence of their being is isolationist. Mm-hmm. They don't interact with society. That's how they continue to exist. Yeah. Right. And, and now they're being rounded up and, and treated with their medical treatment they do not want and, and then they're being put into these camps and it's <laughs> I, it's for their own good this is where the left always ends up eating itself 
the, the social justice warrior narrative always will come back on itself. You've, you've, I mean, we talked about it the other week about LeBron James being this social justice champion, yet completely ignores what's going on with the, the people he uses for his products in China. Yeah, well, he makes a ton of money off that, right? And so many of those people are, you know, so many of the big names in whatever whatever the movement is. So many of these, like, the, the people you hear in the media or social media, they have financial interests that are not disclosed all the time. I mean, we know that LeBron James makes a ton of money, and I know that there's probably some disclosed details of contracts that he has with so-and-so and and all the sales probably nike sales that he makes that are bought in china but you know if if your silence or complicity in, in in these evils is so easily bought like i mean he's not going to struggle for money if he lost all of his revenue from China, oh, for he, sure, he'd still be a he could do nothing. Fabulously tomorrow. wealthy guy. Yeah, he could do nothing for the rest of his life and live above anyone will ever know. Of course. So, you know, um, I mean, I'm trying to think, bringing it back to Australia, like, just it, it's so upsetting to see the amount of people who one either don't know because they don't want to look at it or to continue to try and rationalize this like I, I actually with the lockdowns and stuff I used to say like you know I could see a scenario in which there was a virus going around that was so bad that we would have to do these types of things I could see that you know but co- I just didn't think COVID was that but like what we're doing now, like, you'd need to be talking about apocalyptic level virus for to justify this type of thing. I actually kind of feel ripped off. Because <laughs> we've gone through all of the doomsday impacts without the doomsday. Right. Like, I, I, I want to be welding metal plates to my car. Like, <laughs> you've, you've taken all of, like, the freedom... And you haven't given me any of the anarchy. <laughs> well, but this... Maybe that's... That's... You know, when you think about a planned aspect of it all, like, maybe that's... It's well organized. Hmm. Right? The thing is, it's so hard to put your finger on exactly every piece of it. So, be, it, and if you can't explain it in whole, like whatever this force is that's guiding all of this stuff then it's so easy to just dismiss oh absolutely like in in individual aspects it's a little bit too much but not all that too much but it's it's the totality all put together where you find out oh shit each little step got us this further across the line but in total we're 10 feet from the line yeah yeah well I just think, um, I think that we'll one day look back and with the benefit of hindsight be able to see what happened a lot more clearly. I mean, that is to say, if if we're in a position where we're allowed to look at things and in history freely, I'm not sure. Like, I mean, I think if they get their way, maybe we won't. 
but I think hindsight will will show us a little bit more clearly how this all happened um but for now it's still too easy to dismiss everything as a conspiracy theory yeah I've, I've, I I need I need a good conspiracy theory all mine came true yeah yeah well I mean the we're, next we're almost social credit I'm just I'm saying that out there to the audience in six eight months when it happens I called it I'm not the only one calling it well social credit is coming well they're not gonna call it that but I mean we already have it yeah. With the vaccine passports, I think. Like that's I, I think you're gonna see it all encompassing. A lot of it's very peculiar. A lot of places are moving to the digital ID really quickly and again in, in unison. Again, I, I can admit this isn't fact. This is me edging on towards conspiracy. But nonetheless, there's a lot of people in unison talking digital ID. And that gets into a whole different ethical conversation when your participation in society is a keystroke away from revoking. Yeah, I mean, I recently saw, and I, you know, I don't, I don't have the source, so I'd have to follow up. But like, it's talking about your internet history being tied to your credit score, and you know, so depending on what websites you visit, you, you know, your credit score might lower, um, and. Do I think that's happening tomorrow? No. But I do think that it, it's it's surprising how quickly we can become acclimatized to, um, you know, these vast changes in our society. Two years is not a whole lot of time to have gone from, hey, there's, you know, there's a virus that we're a little bit worried about, we're going to take two weeks we're, yeah we're all together we're gonna take two weeks we gotta save our frontline heroes to hey it's two years later and if you don't take this vaccine you're gonna lose your job and that's just the start oh you're not gonna be able to participate in society and maybe we're gonna start fining you if you don't take this vaccine yeah it's it's the, the frog in the pot it's uh it's the slow boil that nobody really catches on and uh the few that do get called crazy uh and again bringing it back to australia it's it's wild to see i i feel like i'm living in an orwell movie um actually as we're recording this it's the fourth of december i don't i think we're gonna be a week delayed putting this one out right but uh by the time this airs the the queensland congress or whatever they call it their parliament will have voted on the daniel andrews ascension bill They've basically put a bill through that would make Daniel Andrews, who is the worst single person in the Australian Parliament that's been the biggest dictate, he's basically pushed through a bill and it's been approved by the House to basically give him dictatorship under the guise of emergency powers. Well, okay. So they are now, I believe, I'm not not 100%, but I believe the way their system works is the House has voted on it and approved it, it then goes to some secretary or governor to, to get formal ascension to law. Um, and that's where it's at today. Um, it may have already happened, but if not, it will it will happen before this has come out. And uh, Do you know what kind of powers that would give him that he doesn't already have? It's just sweeping dictatorship. Yeah. There's no checks and balances. It removes checks and balances, 
and, and basically, as long as he declares an emergency, out with no framework of what an emergency is. And I think that's globally. We're, we've definitely seen that in Canada. I was going to say, what's the difference between what's going on with Doug Ford right now in Ontario? I mean, they just they just extended the emergency powers until March 28th. Yeah. And I think of 2022. The crux of all of it doesn't matter really where you are. The crux of all of it is legal legal framework is very dictated by definitions. Words very much matter when it comes to legal stuff. Um, such as in a contract, if if it says Bob will do this, that doesn't actually mean he has to. Uh, but when you say something like Bob shall, that is that is a an absolute command. Um, so when it comes to, to legal systems, definitions matter so damn much, but then you've got things that impact society in such a sweeping manner, like an emergency powers. Emergency isn't defined in any framework that's clear. Right, and I, I mean, we've, cons- at least with regards to COVID, have consistently moved the goalposts as to what what makes it a crisis or emergency you know i remember back when the the idea was is that we need to get it below a thousand cases a day in ontario well it hasn't been above a thousand cases a day now it's inching up right now even though we're 86 percent total population vaccinated i think 90 percent of the eligible population is vaccinated but you know it used to be if we were under a thousand cases a day we were good well it's probably been six months since we've had a thousand cases a day maybe more i think you're dead on with that yeah and nothing's changed if anything we've started to get more strict uh not if anything we have gotten more strict yeah and and even to that like what's a case like is that is that is that a metric that provides any actual insight well, I'm. It's it's. We we didn't track flu cases. Well, not not the way we track these these COVID cases. Right. You know, nobody like, nobody would be like, oh my god, you, you we got uh, five hundred cases of the flu in Ontario this week. Well, that too, and like with the flu, you have fairly representative numbers for for actual cases that present symptomatic because if you don't have symptoms or it's it's small small symptoms you're not going to the hospital there's no pre there's no surveillance screening for the flu right so it's like by default your numbers are going to be inflated and that's without even taking into account the 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 occurrence of false positives i'm not attributing any percentage but it does happen right yeah it's hard it's hard to say with false positives but you know, not to get too deep into the statistics part, but let's say you have a false positive rate of 0.5%. Well, if you're doing, say, 10,000 tests a day, how many false positives are you going to get from that? You know, you're, you're going to get 50, right? But we're, well, and we're doing 30,000 tests a day or 40,000 tests a day right now. So you could get 200 cases that are just false positives and then run that across even a five-day work week right so that and and i again i don't i don't know how often these there are false positives now but i haven't got one (laughs) 
<laughs> I, I, take, I, take, I take two tests a week and I haven't got one yet. I still take two tests a week for another week and a bit. But um, I have yet to get a false positive as well. So, yeah, I, I don't know what the numbers are. But a very small percentage of false positives can produce a fairly large number of positive yeah, results. Well, well, when we're looking at, at a thousand cases a week, like, that's yeah a small number. It makes a fairly decent impact. Yeah. Like, and ten people, that's, that's still... And, and the, you know, I, I don't know... Here's one thing I don't know currently in Ontario is if we're if they say we're doing around 30 to 40,000 tests a day right now. Are those PCR tests or do the no. rapid tests count as rapid tests? Test. Because I know that they're not nearly as sensitive as PCR, which is a good thing. Yeah. Basically, I, I, from my understanding, the, the laminar flow rapid tests uh, won't even pick up a, a non- viral load so like pcr will pick up the virus anywhere in you dead virus right particles whereas yeah. the laminar flow only triggers after viral load so technically you could test positive for covid on a on a say a pcr um but if you're not in a position where it's in the larynx the larynx or your your nasal cavity you're not carrying a transmissible viral load it it's not likely to trigger Right. Which is which means for practical use it's actually a decent test. Right. Because it's not it shouldn't much trip um if you're not actually infective. If you're not or in contagious. a position to spread it. Yeah, if you're not contagious it's probably not going to pick it up. Should not. Yeah. Of course like we said, your every test, no test is perfect. Even pregnancy tests are 99% accurate. Yeah. Well, the PCR threshold like you could have been in the room with somebody who had COVID a few like and was no longer contagious but we're still sort of like shedding the the virus particles right and you happen to breathe in some tiny microscopic dead particles and they'll find that on a PCR right test. well and that, that's the other thing with the, the the real big difference between the laminar flow and the PCR is the PCR and every test is going to have its own innate failure rates um, but the PCR, it, it adds a layer of, like, corruptibility because it's only as accurate as the people processing it. Because if you magnify it, if you put it through a 40-cycle threshold, you're going to magnify it that much more. And each cycle threshold is a double of the last. Exactly. So it, by the time you're it's doing not, it 40 it, times over, it's actually an insane amount of multiplication. Well, that's that's the thing. It's like you're not... It, uh, if you did a a 30 um, cycle threshold and then say a 36 cycle threshold that's not 20% more sensitive that's something like 500 times more sensitive yeah the 36 to the 30 yeah so yeah it's a it's a very deceptive tool that was used early on I know they are still using it but I just don't know how much that... From my experience, it, it has gotten to the point where it's very cost-prohibitive. It's not cheap to run a PCR. Um, just in my personal experience going through the facility, I have to get my testing done. Uh, I've seen many people ask for the PCR and get turned away. Right. Do you... Um, have you ever gotten a PCR? I, w I won't. Right. 
there's there's no situation. The only sorry, there's always a situation for everything. The only situation I would actually get a PCR is say I was very symptomatic. It looked probably like it, and I was okay. Maybe I can't handle this at home. Then I would get the pro. If I if I'm down and out and I can handle it at home, no problem. I'm not shut. I don't need a test to tell me. Yeah, you're sick. Right. Um, but as far as like if I was to trip a laminar flow and not feel sick, I I will not progress to to an invasive test. No, not doing it. Even if you're... Give me two weeks off. I'm not... You cannot mandate my work based on an invasive medical testing. Right. So if you want to send me home for two weeks because that makes you feel comfortable, cool. But you're not making me take an invasive... That was my threshold. Like, I've caught in some flack. There's some people that stand on this line. They're like, no, I'm not going to test. I'm not going to do this. It's like, look, I had to fight pretty darn hard to get my exemption honored. Um, And not everyone was as lucky as I was. I can concede that, yeah, I can do a non-invasive test twice a week. It's annoying. As long as you're not paying for it. As long as I'm not paying for it. It's annoying. It's inconvenient. But at the end of the day, it's a compromise and it keeps me employed and my family in a financially secure place. Obviously, that comes before a lot of things. Um, It's my hope was to, to balance my morals and ethics somewhere in the middle. But no, when it comes to invasive, uh, I made it very clear that that was going to be a hard line for me. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, just being clear, you and I work at the same institution. Um, I applied for exemption, went through the process, and ended up getting denied. So uh, I was given 48 hours to get a positive test or sorry my first shot and if I didn't I'd be placed on unpaid leave which is essentially being fired because it was indefinite um it was a policy that was at least in place for another six months actually August August so ten months almost um and I don't see any reason why they would change that. So, I, you know, I'd be essentially fired within 48 hours if I didn't do it. So, you know, I I had to make a decision and decided to, to get the vaccine. I was... I'm less concerned about it from a health or scientific standpoint. It was more of a principled standpoint. But it was pretty gutting to after so long having to try to fight this battle because you know I've, I've been you and I have been talking about uh, this scenario for over a year now um, to, ha- to have to give in to that but well and, and like the audience doesn't know but like we've had conversations and we both share the same view it's like we're gonna fight this particular fight until we can't fight it. This isn't the hill we can afford to die on. Right. Like, myself too. Like, my family has to come first. I have to pay my bills. Um, and... But... There, there's honor in being able to say I stood till I couldn't. I but went as far as I was, well, willing to You didn't just take go. the knee as soon as they said yes. Yeah. It is, it is, like... And I appreciate it, and it's true. And I wouldn't change my decision. Um, but, you know, it is, it is still kind of a, a, 
an upsetting thing. That oh, I, I had to I had to go against my my principles that way, but you know it is what it is. I'm not going to dwell on it. Um, it's it's just it's crazy to see that we've gotten to this this place. Yeah, and it, like on that topic, I've had, I've had people come up to me because I, I I'm not like vocal enough to put myself in any real exposure, but I'm 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 vocal enough that people know where I stand on most of my stuff and I've had people come up to me and like people that I I swore up and down it's like these guys are gonna fight and it's like as soon as it came out they just know like yes please yeah and and now they're coming up and they're like well they're talking third like how do I how do I push back now it's like I can't I can't help you from that line well and this this was so much of my stance against it um, I don't, like I said, I don't have a huge concern about the science of the vaccine itself. I don't think it's nearly as effective as they're saying. And I do think that for a good chunk of the population, particularly the younger and male population, I think it's more dangerous than the benefits. I mean, I think, you know, I'd be happy to go through people, uh, with, uh, go through the numbers, but in general... I'm not so worried about having adverse reactions. But what I am worried about is the precedent's now been set and there is now no grounds to stand upon to say, okay, now now this is too far. Because, at least with regards to forced vaccination. Because what what would make anything too far? Why, why can't they force uh, quarterly booster shots and add the flu shot and all these other things again i'm not against vaccination i just i think we've set a terrible precedent for medical privacy and bodily autonomy well yeah effectively it can be mandated by your employer for any we had we had one guest on talking about well does my if my employer is pretty sensitive to to paternity leave or maternity leave can they mandate the birth control pill based on the precedent we've set it's not explicitly wrong, right? If that if that's what, the stipulation that they have, what line? As yeah, part if of their it's a policy, it's and, a policy. And, and again, if you don't like it, you can leave, right? Yeah, you you're free to choose a different job, they, which is exactly what I was told. Right, you you're you're free to leave. Yeah, which honestly, in today's climate and the industry that I'm a part of, like there would be nowhere for me to go. Um. So yeah, it re- it it would be a a devastating blow financially, but like all of the things that come along with that to my family. So I just couldn't do it. I had to uh, had to give in. Yeah, well, there's there's no shame fighting to the last to the last breath and and taking the stand you needed to. Yeah. Um. So don't don't beat yourself up too bad. But uh, yeah, it's it's I I'm afraid it's gonna get worse before it gets better. Yeah, I I had I knew that this was gonna be the hardest time, and you know I thought I'd be able to weather the whole thing without having to make these decisions. And of course, you know, realistically, I look around, I can still I'm I'm weathering things fine, but. My my worry is is that it's not just going to get worse in the short term, but the long term 
we've done so much damage to ourselves that there's going to be really long-term effects. And I'm not just talking about knock-on effects. I'm talking about these lockdowns being a permanent fixture of our life or, you know, government invasion of privacy, I think we've limitations of travel and movement. I think we've given up so much freedom that I, I would almost risk to say that we can't even really call ourselves free at this point. Because, really, if you're free only by the permission of your government, are you really free? Because we can travel, assuming you've got a... Va- if the government says so. We can go to work if the government says so. You can go to a restaurant. Right. So, like, just because they're saying you can, and you're on the inclusive crowd, are you really free at that point? Are we free? Well, I think, I think to some extent, we've never been totally free. Of course we're not. You know, we, we buy into a social contract, essentially. Not really by will. You know, we're born into a society, and there are some things that the society requires from this individual that limit their freedom. Now, you know, there's some... There's a lot of debate about where do your freedoms come from, and are they, you know, negative versus positive rights, and, you know, one of the things that the American... Uh, Declaration of Independence did was they they outlined that many of we hold these truths to be self-evident and that they're God-given rights. It's it's not bestowed upon you by the state that you have freedom of speech or freedom of religion. This is your right. Now you, you know take God out of it, but your right as a living, breathing creature self-evident right um that nobody's bestowing this upon you so the state's just there to protect those rights it's not there to give them to you now you know if you look at the french revolution it's it's not like that it's it's very much more the state is providing you with these rights and canada kind of comes a little bit with a mix of the two um traditionally you know British common law, and but but I agree that there are some things that you're just you, we're not free to do anything. But before this, our freedoms were a lot wider. Let's say, you know, you, your access to you know entering a restaurant or getting on a plane, crossing the border, were, was a lot less restrictive. And we've put these emergency uh, things in place that I don't see going anywhere. You know, we we we've at, we needed an I- the the government asked for an inch and has taken a mile, and they're not going to just willingly give it back. No, and freedom. I've always viewed freedom as a currency. Uh, we we spend it when we have an abundance of freedom. We will spend it for semblance of security. And then when we run dry of freedom to spend, and we have none, we, we pay in blood to get that freedom back. And it, it, if you go back in history, it, it has been cyclical. It's Freedom is happily given up when you have tons of it, and it's not a concern. But then when you run out of it, it is, it is all you can ever hope for. Yeah. Well, I mean, it does, it does kind of feel like there's outside of 
you know, Canada, but, like, mainly the West, but, you know, almost, almost the whole world is being driven by a, a, a guiding force, like, that, that's pushing all of this stuff, you know, we talk about the Great Reset and all this stuff, with the conspiracy theory of the Great Reset, that's, you know, the main agenda item at the World Economic Forum, published by a book, published by the head of it, uh, Klaus Schwab and all this stuff, but no, it's a conspiracy theory. Right. And, and of which we've got, as Canada, we have a handful of high-level elected officials that are on that, that board of directors. Of course. Yeah, I mean, we don't just go to these forums and, like, the Davos meetings and all the stuff at the UN. We don't just participate in that to say that we do it. Right. There's actionable items that are decided upon there. Yeah, I... And that I, are, like, the build back better. There's no way that Jacinda Ardern, Joe Biden... Um, Trudeau, all uh, Boris Johnson, all start saying "build back better" at the same time. Right. The, that, the, that's clearly a top-down. The uniform nature of it, it it does, and I think this is where you're ripe for conspiracy because it, it's just so hard to not see connections. Right. And I mean, like that's where a lot of your conspiracy comes from is drawing connections, maybe where there shouldn't be, but then what do you like you get this where it's like how can you not see it just look the decepticon variant how (laughs) uniform that that reporting and the messaging on it yeah Yeah. meanwhile the people on the ground ground zero in south africa are like we have nobody in the hospital for this yeah what is is super mild what are you doing the latest thing i saw was from a guy pointing to and I, i didn't even follow up on the stats because as soon as i saw what he was talking about with the Omicron uh, variant, was that it's really dangerous for kids. More dangerous than Delta. As soon as the vaccine was approved. Exactly. And it's like, do you remember when the vaccine was approved for 12 to 17? And that's when Delta, they were pushing heavily on Delta being super dangerous for kids. You know, Delta had been around for longer, but they really started to push how dangerous it was for kids around that time. Now... You know, it's 5 to 11. Well, it's really... This Omicron variant is really dangerous to This them. is what actually gives me a lot of hope, though, is they, they clearly are pushing for 5 to 11 now. And don't don't kid yourselves. They're coming for babies next. I think early next year. That'll uh, be... Yeah. Hundred, I, I, would exp- I would be surprised if it's not in January. Yeah. Um, but I, this is what gives me hope is... I s- Again, I've been wrong in my hopes... I am eternally optimistic and probably hope too much when I shouldn't. Um, but I kind of see them overplaying their hand when it comes to the kids. There's <laughs> a lot of people I know that that bit their tongue, got what they had to do for their job, but I know far more people willing to lose everything to protect their kids. Again, I can. S- it kind of reminds me of our last conversation where I know you're hopeful, and I'm not saying you're wrong. I just, I'm not as hopeful. I, I, I agree that there's lots of people who would, you know, say that, but then it's like, well, your kid's not going to play hockey, or he's not going to go to school. That well, they're going to cave, right? And just like, and again, I'm not. That's not me judging those people so harshly because you know I caved for for the thing where I got pushed into, but you know. 
I, I just see enough people, and it, it doesn't need to be everybody. It just needs to be the majority of people who are willing to do it. Because I think the majority of 5 to 11-year-olds are going to get vaccinated. I I don't see it. I, I, we'll, we'll see. But I, I know don't. doctors who have got their shots. Everyone they treat got their shots. But straight up have said, we will not get our kids... Doctors won't get their kids done. Yeah. I, I hope I, you're right. I, I see them right. overplaying that hand, and I I welcome it at this point. I'm like, just just go nuts. Like, bring on the concentration camps. Bring on all of it. And, like, let's just have at it. Because I'm just so over the slow boil. Well, the slow boil is what's killing us. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the longer we continue this way, whatever the resistance to these measures is is just going to slowly slowly boil away and maybe not even that slowly so yeah i mean i i welcome the calamity because i think the sooner it comes the one it's either going to be more peaceful the sooner it happens i'm not saying it'd be totally peaceful but a lot easier to have a more peaceful resolution or two they like once it won't just be a complete bloodbath on the other side right like yeah my if i look at the totality of the globe in where i see the pushback and like breaking points really uh i don't see a lot of actual con- europe is kind of weird cuz they're about 50-50 in most countries uh, I know Austria is about 50% vaccinated, and they seem to be going pretty darn hard on them. Australia, well, I think, yeah, I think is higher. even lower. Australia's got a pretty low vaccination rate. Well, I think they're just slow to the the vaccination game. I don't know how much of that is a resistance yeah, I, to the I, vaccine or just the availability. Of- but when I, when I look at, like, let's boil this to, to a flashpoint, I really look at the states and... Yeah. Over the last, like, two years, man, I could absolutely move to the States. The right state I could live in. And uh, yeah. it's funny, because three years ago, I thought I thought the typical Canadian stereotype of Americans. You're all dumb, dumb asses, and I thought Trump was the stupidest person ever. Right. And really, honestly, anything the mainstream media kind of spun, I took at face value. Yeah. But I look now at the States, uh, and I'm like, there really is a, a battle forming. Lines are being drawn clearly between states. And I don't know how you back it down. Well, and, and this is where, you know, getting back to it, I don't think I want to see it back down at this point. I mean, in a perfect world, we could go back to living the way we were in the 90s and 2000s. And yeah, we had our differences and things were heated sometimes. We didn't like this about that those people type thing but by by and large we all kind of got along and and your differences didn't define you at least not as much uh but now that's certainly what's happening and i don't there there's some issues that i think whether it's it's not the vaccine itself but the mandates and the lockdowns and just like personal freedoms gun rights uh, abor- abortion. abortion rights. You know, that that actually could be the one thing that I think really kind of puts the nail in the coffin for 
there being a d- dissolution of the United States as we see it now. Um, I, I've always been very reluctantly pro-choice within some limit. Um, mainly because I thought of the what, <laughs> and this isn't right. I say I say this very reluctantly, but I thought of the wider implications of what abortion bans would do, whether it be like the the societal unrest, the the protests that would start from that. Uh, and I still agree that that's what would happen. You know, if Roe v. Wade does get overturned, I'm still doubtful that it will. I'm. I think the betting odds right now are like 90-10. I know. It looks I like know. it's gone. It, now, this still isn't outright ban abortion. No, it, it would, insert, it it would kick states. it back to the states, yeah. for sure. And and some of those states have... Um, I can't remember what the, the term for it is, but it'll automatically trigger so uh, some codified, laws. Codified law as of now. So Roe v. Wade... I didn't expect to go this way, but I'm happy. We can definitely go this way. Um, so... Codified law is explicit language in the Constitution protecting a certain right. Right, and there's so, nothing so specific your in right the Constitution. right to bear arms is codified because the Constitution clearly, clearly lays it out in plain English. Uh, a non-codified law, which is Roe v. Wade, based on court precedence, is they use the right to liberty and life to, to justify Roe v. Yeah, Wade. Yeah, and... Um Privacy. Right. And, Medical and they're, privacy. They're reading it in. It's not explicitly written in, in the law. Of course. So... The, the opinion of the majority of justices right now say that it's not a federal right to that. It's, it's a state choice, and they get to dictate that. But the codified law, as way more than just Roe v. Wade, it looks to turn it over to viability. And, and historically, through the constitutional precedent, viability is basically consensus at 15 weeks. So the the default kickback would be, uh, you can have, you can't res- by default until they, because you can revisit what's viable now that technology and yeah the, yeah yeah it's a but, it's an ever it's but a moving the default, target. If Roe v Wade gets turned overturned next week, the default would be presumably you can limit but not restrict abortions up to fifteen weeks. After that, it would it would leave states' rights completely open to just ban it. Right, but I I know what you mean, but I I even I don't know that if you overturn overturn Roe v. Wade that it doesn't also just allow states to put in outright bans themselves. They like, and I mean at any time. We'll see. I I don't I don't know the legal precedent behind the whole stuff, but I know what you're saying that the viability aspect, but I'm not sure that that's oh, I, I, I agree that's they, not codified they, might- anywhere either. No, um, but there is multiple... For them to overturn that and, and basically ban below 15 weeks, there's really only two ways to do it. And one would be to overturn like a handful of, of precedent-setting cases. Because um, it's been a fairly... Roe v. Wade is a one-case precedent. That was in 73, and then there was another one, big one in like 92. I can't remember what the name of it was. But they wanted to do... like you know This is back when Democrats were saying that abortion should be safe, legal, and rare. Right. Well, now it's like... Human right. Shout your abortion, you know? Right. Like, and it's like, come on. But, uh... No, it's... it's I, I, I'm biased. I, again, I will own my bias. I haven't always been pro-life. Um, cert- I, can, I can own my, my downfalls. As a Christian, I'm, I'm imperfect. 
Um, when I was a teenager and a young adult, it was a convenient option. So, uh, one that I never had to use, but when you're in that hypothetical, it's it's not as real. Right. So, it, it's easy to be like, yeah, it, I'm pro-choice, because it, it absolutely would absolve me of a hypothetical problem. And it also, like, I don't know about you, but growing up, I never heard a reasonable defense against... Uh, like against abortion right no i no, never heard that not till i became fairly devout in my christianity and an adult who's held my child it, it changes the way you look at things yeah and th- and now i look at it and it's like i don't understand how we can live in a society with such a moral stain yeah i, it, I think it's the point uh, where it's, it's celebrated the, it's 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 the darkest aspect of our society right right now i think and i I can disagree like we can i can disagree with somebody who's pro-choice but uh what i i don't have room for is people that literally celebrate it and and this is this is part of their identity almost yeah well that's like the lena dunham's of the world when she uh, it was a couple years ago she she was asked outright like have you had an abortion and she said, no, but I really wish that I did, because I kind of feel, like, something to the effect of, like, I feel like less of a woman, or, like, it's some sort of rite of passage that, you know, I feel I didn't go through, and it's like, that's, that's just so morally bankrupt. Right. And, and, but they don't see it that way, because, you know, in their bubble, that like, they really are not looking at it at the perspective of, that's a human life inside of you. Now, scientifically, there's no debate. No. That that life is... It's not a dog. conception. Yeah, exactly. I... Life begins at accept, uh, conception, and that's a human life. Um, I've... I, I always see abortion in matters of degree. I think, to At any point, I'm not happy with abortion. No. But... I do have less of a problem if uh, somebody decide a girl t- decides to take the morning after pill than if she waits three months to decide what she's going to do. Right. Um, one of those I think is like indicative of uh, just bad decision making in life uh, that's not going to get you. Uh, very far, and it's sort of setting you up for, uh, just, well, not very, uh, not a very fulfilled life, but the other, I I think, is reprehensible. Right, and I I look at it from two perspectives, because I understand... And that's less of a judgment on the person itself, by the way. I, I know people who have gotten abortions, sometimes as late as three months, and... I, as for what parts of me are still Christian, I'm not going to, or, or I would consider as Christian, I'm not going to like constantly judge that person or outcast them. I'm not even going to throw it in their face. Hate the sin, not the sinner. Exactly. and Because I'm not sure that they even recognize it as a sin. Right. And, and I'm not going to go, I, I'm not close enough with this person to, you know, litigate that with them. But, you know, I, I really can't help but think about it when I, when I meet this person. 
and it's it, it's very upsetting. Yeah, you know? see, I, I look at the, the social problem of abortion from two lenses. Uh, obviously, I'm Christian, and that, that fundamentally shapes my, my perspective on everything. So, from my, my Christian perspective, it's it's reprehensible. It's something that we should for first and foremost sanctity in human life. Yeah, and first and foremost we should never celebrate it. Plain and simple. We we can disagree. It should never be celebrated. Yeah. Um but from my Christian perspective it's it's just it's always just wrong. Yeah. But from my social perspective as a member of a secular society where I happen to be Christian within it I, I understand I cannot impose my Christian morals on yeah, society. Yeah, yeah. So I think when I'm, I'm looking at the problem of abortion and how we navigate that tough tough situation from a social perspective where we don't all sh- share the same moral compass, I think, for starters, and Canada's tough because we don't have any laws about it. There is, there is no limits on no. Canadian abortion, which is where we di- have a stark difference in the states. Even, even the most left-leaning states have limits. Some don't actually. No, there there are some that don't. Like, I mean, and I think there were a couple really wacky ones. Like Virginia, uh, they passed a law. And I can't remember what the name of it was, but it was basically like stipulating that if if they're performing an abortion, because I think it's pretty rare that this happens, but it can. Where if you're trying to perform an abortion and the baby. They call it failed abortion. Failed, the baby yeah. comes out and is alive on the table. That you you can. I thought. Yeah, I think that you can make it comfortable. You don't have to try to do any life saving things. You can just make it comfortable and leave it to die. Yeah. But I, it's like, what is making it comfortable? Like, it, right. it, where it would be comfortable would be. Let it serve to death. That's right. Um, I, I thought or, that was California because like, I remember Kamala Harris had voted for that. This is definitely I, a I Ralph. Thought it failed. This was definitely under Ralph Ralph Northam in uh, Virginia. So I well, we might need to revisit that. Right. One. I think maybe California also tried it. I, I, I think there's more I than one state remember, that has this. I specifically remember Kamala Harris had voted, but I believe that bill got struck down in that setting. Uh, I know that there's several states that have similar laws. And, you know, people will say all the time, and even here in Canada when we say, like, there's no limit on when you can have an abortion. Like, if you you could be ready to go into labor that week and decide you don't want it, yeah, that, that's I believe, free health care that you will get. Somebody will that kill that baby. in Canada there's zero, there's zero term limits on, on when, but I do believe after 24 weeks, which is already disgustingly late, it has to be, quote-unquote, medically necessary. Um, but our definition of medically necessary, like you could claim mental health struggles exactly. and that becomes mentally necessary. Absolutely. Up yeah. to 32 weeks, which is, but like, those are the extremes and I don't want to make my argument off of no, no, the no, four no. cases in Canada, maybe a year that that is. But at the same time, like as I can't, um, I can't impose my moral compass on society, I think we're left both sides having to find compromise. And like, obviously I don't. I don't think the person who was raped should have to suffer through carrying that child, and I don't think the product of incest should have to suffer, because obviously the product of incest is almost always going to be rape anyway. Um, so we have to find a compromise, and, and as a Christian wanting to limit what we've got, the, the degeneracy we've got going on, I think a healthy starting point would be a heartbeat law. 
much yeah. like the states. Yeah. You well, have- I, I would see some sort of limit, I, and I would put in a limit as well. I would do a compromise. I would just like to point out, and I get that these are really touchy subjects, and, you know, some people will say we shouldn't even have an opinion on it. But No, I don't you know, care. That, yeah, that's yeah. silly. Uh, but as far as, like, the rape and incest thing, yeah, it's it's a... They shouldn't vanishingly, the It's a vanishingly small uh, percentage of pregnancies in general, but it does happen. And, well, I can't put myself in the shoes of any woman in that situation. And, and I'm not, you know, judging anybody for those decisions. It's still not the fault of the child. No. That has been conceived. And, and in a perfect world, I want that woman to get all of the help that she needs. Um, all er, Everything that she needs. I want the, the perpetrator to be castrated and or killed. Yeah. Um, Farmyard castration is yeah. a, a rusty axe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're like, n- not chemical castration. No, it's not, not comfortable. Yeah. So, but... Um, you know, again, in, in a perfect, and this is sort of a moralistic and Christian-type outlook, but that baby should still have the right to life. I, I agree. And, and and don't give me any, like, oh, if it's incest, they could have problems. I don't care. Right. Like, I'm, you know, like, right. just because somebody's, like, that's like saying, oh, yeah somebody's mentally ill, it'd be better that they didn't live. Well, yeah, we actually... Or, or handicapped or something. Funny you mentioned that. We actually had that, where we, we were offered a test for my, my youngest son, and we declined it, because it, to us, it, as Christians, it doesn't matter if if my son has Down I, I know the not. test that you're talking about. We got it. The The doctor actually looked at us like, what are you doing? Don't, don't you want options? Right. And I said, what options are you talking about? Right. Well, we got, we got that test done. Specifically, it was a very open conversation between my wife and I that this was under no circumstances to lead to a decision of what we would do about the pregnancy. Just to prepare. Yeah, it was so that, you know, that I would know ahead of time when that birth happens so that it's not in the moment shock because, first of all, you know, that didn't happen. But if, if our kid did have Down syndrome, of course we would have it and love it and raise it and do everything necessary but it would i'm not gonna deny it would probably be like a bit of a gutting experience in the moment and i wouldn't want to sour that that, right i wouldn't want to sour that moment of like the birth of your child and then also having to deal with that so if you knew ahead of time i would just i would just have that joy of the birth of my child and i would it wouldn't be yeah, and that's, colored it all. So yeah. that's why I d- we did it. That's but, why we wanted to But the to default, know. like when we turned it down, the de- the response from the doctors was actually infuriating. Like they were almost, they almost, you could almost tell that they were like, these people are irresponsible mm-hmm. for for not wanting to know. And it's like, but yeah, and and this is it's it's a def- difficult topic. It's a really di- when it comes to abortion, because like. Well, there's there's such heated opinions. I know, about it. and but the thing is, like, I have firm values and views on it, but I'm still saying I don't want my moral compass put on everybody. All I want is let's have a conversation and some compromise. Yeah, because unlimited 
any stage abortion in Canada. It's crazy. That's not right. No, it's awful. It's awful. Um, it's it, it's truly evil what can happen. And, you know, as far as what's currently happening in the States uh, with, with the Supreme Court decision that's coming uh, probably next week, you I think? I think next week. It, it, by the time this comes out, I, I imagine... It could have already happened. I imagine it's probably been struck down. Okay. So, you know, having us both sort of admitted that while we're both against abortion at any stage, we would prefer a compromise. Right. Uh, even, even, even in... Even in, in non... Like, just, hey, I'm not ready for this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, a compromise of like some sort of limit uh, in time. You you said heartbeat. Right. I, I I think I would I would even settle with first trimester. Um, I still you know I think if you wait twelve weeks that's not good. But you know we got to call a line somewhere. Right. Um. As far as what's going on in the states, this is kind of morbid, but kind of ties back into our earlier conversations the sooner these fault lines uh develop to me the better and it's not me wishing simply wishing that the world goes to hell it's not i i think the world is on an unstoppable path to or the west i should say and and to bring it more specific to the states, I think they're on an unstoppable path of ripping apart, and I think the sooner that happens, the better. Right. I I, I agree. I, I don't necessarily... There's so many... This could be a big driving factor behind yeah. it. There's so many structural fault lines between ideologies, and I think that's what we're dealing with globally and nationally. It, you're, you're seeing a battle of ideologies, right. and, and it's being fought out as we speak. But in the states, there's so many fault lines. I don't know how you come back. I and like here, we try to have conversation. Like even in a, in a very touchy topic like abortion, we're both advocating for compromise. Let, let's sit down, and have a conversation. Let's negotiate. Let's let's find a way we can both be, both sides can be, mutually unsatisfied, but nobody's right upset. Right. And like, cause like that's in the purest form how democracy works. Nobody's ever going to get carte blanche their way. You right. need you need to kind of weave the snake left and right, and and kind of keep both sides in mutual. There should be that pendulum swing too, right? Right. There's no pendulum swing at this point, right? And, and or at least if it is, and this is something that people should be, you know, if you're on the left right now and you feel like you're in the ascendance and everything's going your way. Um, and by the way, even when Trump was in power, I don't feel like that pendulum was going back the other well, way. here, Trump has been out of power for almost two years now, and now Roe v. Wade's getting overturned? Like, everyone said oh, that he yeah. was going to be this right-wing dictate. It's almost two years or just one year? 2020 was the election. Yeah. So it's been just over a year since yeah, the election. Sorry, yeah, sorry, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had to think about it for a second, because it does seem like a long time. But yeah, I mean, it's not even happening under him. And but the thing is, he got to appoint three of those Supreme Court justices. So right, you know, they'll lose it. They will lose it if Roe v. Wade gets overturned. 
it doesn't even, you know, you'd, you'd be living in California, you would still have all the access to abortion that you'd still, that, that you had before, because it would just be kicked back to state law, and there's no way California would do anything different. But, you know, they will lose it. And, you know, m- regardless of the merits of the argument, um, it's just going to be another massive fault line. And, like, it, it, if this continues on the way it is, and frankly, as somebody who's, like, you know, mildly right-wing, but certainly not at all, you know, the, this this crazy progressive movement, whether it's gender ideology, the racial, racial politics, all that stuff... Um, now think of the COVID implications, the lockdowns, the mandates, and all of this, that it very much feels like from my position that we are dwindling away, and either there's going to be a very violent backlash at some point, where whatever's left is going to unleash a huge amount of violence in protest or we're going to split with some acrimony but it'll be you know somewhat reasonable i'm sure there's going to be some open conflict but if it can be if it happens sooner it can be more limited i hope yeah and i I mean i look at canada and I, i just this is where I get pretty jealous, and like it's not a good Christian trait to have. Uh, I get jealous of the states because there's valid pushback. Like you basically have two countries in the states at this point. Yeah. the The red states basically are, let's go, Brandon. We're just not going to listen to anything you say. Like his, he put out this dictate mandate, and everyone was just like, no. Too bad. They fought it and won in the Supreme Court. They, no, they didn't win in the Supreme Court. Those were lower courts. No, it. it no, it hasn't right. gone to it the hasn't. Supreme Court yet. But, but they, There's been federal they courts. An, an injunction in the Sixth Court. Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, all that. And yeah. then they got a ruling now. You're right. So it was struck down in the lower courts. So I believe the next step would have to be Biden administration would have to push it to Supreme Court because it has officially been struck down. Right. So the states don't actually have to push it further. Right. Well, I think, I, I, I think that there's... Like, Ron DeSantis isn't taking orders from Joe Biden. Like, no. there, there are multiple states in that country that are, are not operating under that country. Right. And, and and some of these states, like, are really, you know, they got a vitality to them. Texas, it, it, it's got a lot of people heading there from California in a lot of cases, leaving the state. New Yorkers are leaving to Florida. You know, Texas and Florida are the ones I see as the main powerhouses of that divide. Um, or, or the other side of that yeah. divide. Um, but then, basically, you've got right in between them the traditional southern states. Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, Louisiana. Um, but then you can kind of... Like, just seeing geographically, because I'm thinking about where, how this is going to divide. You're going to kind of run right up through the middle from, like, Montana and Utah, 
Idaho. Dakotas. Yeah, the Dakota. Well, yeah, so all down the west from the Dakotas south. Um, I I don't know exactly. Like, Kentucky and Indiana, I could see joining that. So you're going to have this sort of swath right through the middle of America that will be... Basically freeze out California. Well, uh, yeah, I mean... <laughs> poor Californians... It's such an oddly divided state because even though they're a reliably blue state, they've got a lot of Republicans. Well, yeah, and in certain regions, and Newsom certainly isn't helping them. So yeah, no. So like maybe they're gonna have to divide too. Who knows how this all shakes out? I could even see, you know, if this happens, and I'm I don't Alberta, think it's avoidable. If I'm Alberta and Saskatchewan, I'm joining in some sort of league with whatever that 100%. is. Hundred percent. Um, and I don't know if this is going to be like a solid country or if it's going to be a confederate <laughs> going right back to the civil war. Well, I, I think I think like the more we talk about this, the more, it, though. the more it seems like we're all the states specifically. Um, Canada has already got its interprovincial tensions happening federally now, too. Right. But I think the but states we always are, follow the states. Yeah. Whatever the I, states I think the do, states are, are actively in a cold civil war at this point. Like it, it definitely feels like that. Yeah, administration is not cooperating with administration. Uh, people are the lines are being drawn very clearly. Yeah, what a time to be alive! <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's so many, so many pots on the stove. It's crazy when you feel like you're in history. One thing, especially being like a real '90s kid, born in the '80s, but like basically a '90s yeah. kid. And people describe it, now, I kind of just, you just sort of absorb it when you're a kid, but people describe how, like, you know, after the end of the Cold War, the dissolution of the USSR, you kind of, they kind of felt like they were at the end of history, right? Like, mm-hmm. okay, it's done now. Like, <laughs> we're good now, right? Going forward. It's such a silly thing to think. But yeah, I mean, you did just kind of feel like the world was static. This is the way things were. Well, even even for us, like, being growing up in the 90s, like, we had some pretty milestone events. Like, we... Barack Obama, first black president. September 11th was huge. September 11th was crazy. Uh, there was a handful of individual historical Moments. events. yeah. But, but grand scheme, I feel like we'd be maybe two pages in history's textbook. Like, right. It wasn't anything... Well, like, when I think of grand scale historical events, and not... Maybe... It's just, I mean, historical events, maybe not grand scale. But yeah, I certainly think... September 11th, obviously, is right. the standout. Um, the it, election of Obama, for sure. But, like, some of the big ones that I knew in the news were also, like, Princess Diana dying and, like, the O.J. Simpson trial, which is, like, such, like, why would that be a big standout in the news? But it was, like, it really was. Like, it was, like, oh, those were big, big moments. Yeah, and, and how naive of us to think in that time how how, like comfortable it's gotten that this is the biggest thing going on right this is you're not having nuke drills in school no no but no now now we're paying for it in spades because it feels like well we're just not prepared anymore right and 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 you know it's that old adage of like strong men create good times uh good times create weak men weak men create bad times bad times create strong men well we're, we're definitely right the, in, we're the precipice of bad times. Bad times with a lot of weak men around. Right. We talked about this a little bit last time, but it's definitely 
it's the most disheartening thing that I see. And the other thing is, is like, so I don't watch cable television um, or any like regular scheduled programming, except for when I go to my parents. And I was just there earlier. You know, they're watching a hockey game or something. And I see the commercials, and I'm like, look at the examples that are being set for men in these commercials. Now, even in, like, hockey announcers now, like, they, they're they dressed all, like... F- and I'm not talking, like, Don Cherry flamboyantly. I just mean, like, you know, they... They're... It, it, there's a very feminine attitude to all of the representations of men now. Yeah. Very, very rarely do you see a strong man well, who's behaving in a strong dominant way most times when you see like a typical looking strong man the the object of or the point of the presentation is to make a fool of him or to make him look dumb or whatever it is right the script is almost flipped on its head and and i don't need i don't need a society where like you can't have weak or feminine men no no no, no, but like we've gotten to the point where we we vilify toxic strong men right the traditional aspects of our history are 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 the evil at this point right like the concept of it's all that it's everything that got us here but yeah now it's the concept of having a committed single marriage for the rest of your life raising traditional kids in a traditional way it's like that's oppressive right that's the epitome of patriarchy it's like I want I want to raise kids to be the wholesome. nuclear fa- the nuclear family is the right. problem, right? Yeah. yeah, it's um well and and this is it's just going tying into all these things of when I say like we need to dissolve somewhat, um, is because we've got all of these different issues that we just can't agree on anymore. I fundamentally disagree with the other side, um, and and unfortunately. They're the ones who are going to be teaching my kids if they go through the public school system. Right. They're the ones who control the media. They're the one or control whatever. Steer it. Yeah. They're and, and that that media very much steers the the politics. It very much steers. Um, you know, maybe it all stems from the education. Um, I think I think you look at it. It's the totality. It's it's every aspect all in com- in combination. So and what I would like to see is is not so much a complete uh, denial of all of those things because you know what I'll give credit where credits due. Some of the points that 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 you know the left makes some of their criticisms of our society, especially in the past, had some merit. I'm mean, I'm not denying that there wasn't problems with the way masculinity or whatever was represented or the way women were treated or minorities certainly not but we we've gone sort of beyond what's reasonable now and the push is to continue to fight even harder it's I feel like we, we're still acting like we're in the 60s. Take race relations. We're acting like we're in the 60s when we're way, way beyond that. Right. And, you know, we grew up, and it's like we look at Martin Luther King, and this is a guy who's like... I wonder what he would have to say with, with today. I mean... Because he'd be sitting with us. 
and and sharing our viewpoints. Uh, like uh, certainly by the words that he said then, yeah, he would be a he'd be a right wing Republican, right, in America right now. He'd be like an Alan West or a Candace Owens. Yeah, really. Um, so it, I. I, I obviously can't speak for anybody who's dead, but but yeah, I do I do think he would be horrified by it, uh, by some of the stuff that goes on now. Um, but yeah, I, it's as far as all of these differences. I don't think it's so much like we need more eggs in the basket. I think we need separate baskets now, because the the current way that we're heading. It, it just rubs me wrong on every level. Um, well, somebody's got some oil in the soup in the sense that there's there's parts of this basket that don't mix together. They're just incompatible. Right. And, the, and, and this is where I don't... They're never going to come back and go, okay, you know, we can compromise on these items. There's, there is no compromise now on some of these Right, issues. and that, that's actually what worries me... So I'm worried short and medium term with the, the tyranny we've got going on globally. Mm-hmm. Long term, my biggest concern is the counterswing. Because, like, again, his, it, it is inevitable that we will see a counterswing to this lunacy. And the, usually it's like a Puritan the type. Pro- the problem is, it's like, the people like you and me who are right of center, but are like, hey, let's sit down, compromise, and have intellectual, like, let's, let's have responsible dialogue. We're not the ones that are going to be pushing that counterswing. It's going to be people with a whole lot less patience than us. Yeah. Well, and that's actually one of the things that does scare me. Uh, agreed. Because I think that if we split, under no circumstances am I arguing that we should go back to, like, race segregation or anything. Or, or you know, what are those laws? Anti basically intermarrying laws like, oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, no, of course not that's that's ridiculous I don't want that but I'm worried that as as things get more and more heated the extremes are gonna become the louder voices and you know I think it's ridiculous the amount of times that people are called white supremacists or Nazis or whatever in day-to-day life because there's just not that many of them. But they do exist. Right. And if things fall apart that bad, they're going to push. And, and it, it could be very scary. And, and in, I the right, in the right and, situation. And I hope I would stand against that, obviously. Right. You know, I would, as best as I could. But, like, I mean, if we're talking total anarchy, you just got to look out for yourself at some right. point. Right, and, and the problem is, too, when you you push say we'll take the farther right for example yeah and you you have a, a farther left push right now you're going to compress people somewhat middle right you're going to compress them further and further right to the point where they're now ideologically aligning more with they're the standing extreme next. yeah and and you create almost a factory farm of uh, dangerous extreme ideologies right and this is where like we damn well need the middle ground Right. And if we can't if we can't hold the two sides of society together and bring people back to the table, I'm worried where this ends. I I, I just I mean yeah I don't at the same know. time bring it on like 
I don't. I, we can only hold this for so long. Well, exactly. Uh, bring it on in the sense that you know, obviously, there's some bad ways it could go worse than things are right now. I just think that right now is untenable. So something needs to break, and hopefully, in that chaos, whatever comes isn't is, is better and not that extreme. Right. Well, like we said, hard times. Make strong men, and strong men make good times. Yeah. We're just unfortunate. You and I are probably the, the worst positioned possible, because truth be told, we're heading into what seems to be hard times. Uh, on the backside of hard times, we're going to be seniors. We're, we're going to be paving a, a road for our children to have good times. Hopefully. But, uh... I would, you know, I, I would... If it wasn't for kids in the mix i would welcome all of this a little bit more i'd be a lot more michael malice yeah <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> like just open uh, if like, i didn't have kids i'd probably be in florida right now anyway i would i would i certainly would have been more likely to have just lost my job yeah i would have um, uprooted if i had this. no real ties i would have uprooted and just live in yeah, my best life like find oh man belize costa rica <laughs> That's funny. My father-in-law really, wa- really wants us to move to Belize or something like that. I said, "No, man, we're not. We're not moving to Belize." <laughs> <laughs> and I said, "What?" And he's like, "Oh, maybe Panama." I said, "What? What are you talking about? Are I mean, we going to these countries?" I like, I like his thought process. Uh, no, but man. I no, I, I'm in the place now where I, I have something. I said, if to we're stand going somewhere, it's Florida or Texas, somewhere that like you know is. One, English is the dominant language. I know some parts of Florida and Texas it's not, but still. Um, and that, you know, the infrastructure is somewhat more recognizable and everything. <laughs> uh, no, I, I don't need to move to some of the poorer nations in the Western Hemisphere. You'll just wait for the for us to become the poorer nation? <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. No, I, w- I, w- no. I do want to get out. I, I If... If that was a viable option, I would... Yeah, we, 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 talked about this, yeah. we talked about this last time, too. I I just... I don't see it happening. Um, sure. <laughs> it, you know, in a best-case scenario, that's what would happen. I honestly... I, I, I really struggle, and, like, I'm, I'm going to try and leave on some positive note. I just can't find it. I, uh, I don't have a lot of hope. I don't see... I don't see how you re-inject social cohesion i don't see how you mend the void that has been created and allowed to fester well you i mean just to give an example you're talking about people who want to be able to teach your kid your three or four year old kid as soon as they start to enter or four year old i think is when you start to enter the public school system that they could change their gender multiple times throughout the week and that that's totally fine. Now, we didn't have that growing up, but I think it would be somewhat similar if you went around telling kids, "Hey, you can be Spider-Man this week," or you you can, and then you can be Wonder Woman tomorrow. Like this all just sounds like fun, imaginative play, and that's fine for kids to imagine things, but it's being reinforced and without parents consent as like a real thing that these kids are deciding right 
and uh, our and systems are supporting it on on a scary level. Right. And, and, well, we just we just passed unanimously a anti conversion, conversion therapy. therapy, which <clears throat> it's like pretend like I I I think it's hilarious. We we pass these things as if right now in Canada it's a big thing for like electroshock therapy so, to like shock the gay out of people i don't know is on, that, is on that a thing? no so i this this being christian this really kills me so this is how our society's gotten to work it's it's very marxist tactic in the fact that they like much like black lives matter you take a, an organization that has malice and you slap a, a title on it that is you cannot attack Right. So when the the conversion therapy bill that passed, I cannot believe conservatives did not stand up and fight this. Right. Because does it mean that you can't go against so, gender dysphoria? So so conversion th- the the ban on conversion therapy. When you and I hear it, you assume scare, shock therapy, scare you like, straight, yeah. shock therapy, water. Like you think the most torturous thing. And don't get me wrong, that should not be allowed. Right. Shock therapy should not be done on a child. Plain and no, simple. no, 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 for sure. I do think that, like, say you're, say you're an adult, and you're you're just gay, but you think you want to go to for some treatment for that. It should be available. I'm not talking about shock therapy, right. but you should be able to treat. So I believe the bill itself is actually geared towards kids. Right. So, like, Always. adults do whatever, like, I mean, at some point, you just call that a fetish anyway. I, I like to be shocked or whatever. Like, <laughs> you're an adult, you do whatever you yeah, want behind yeah. doors. But the conversion therapy, it now has made it illegal for parents to to even say, hey, maybe this is a phase. Can we can we talk about what else is going on below the surface? Right, uh, right. And, and this is going to apply to so many different things, including trans. And when you have, like, this rapid onset gender dysphoria stuff that's coming around and being abigail schreier she's right. writing about it right like are, are your kids going to be taken away from you because all of a sudden your 13 year old girl comes home and says dad i think i'm a, a boy and you say well you're not it's worse the kids can and will be taken and then you'll be criminally charged right um for, for and again like we have to acknowledge the, the truth that there are mental health issues that that are surrounding that community i'm not saying if you are part of that community you have a mental health problem but the prevalence of, of suicidal ideology is higher in those groups well like so to specifically every, trans i i i do think it's even like statistically I'm not speaking, saying what the even in the gay be. and lesbian communities oh yeah, yeah. The, the rate of suicide is significantly higher than the standard rate Right. So yeah, yeah. So for you to now outlaw the ability to even attempt to explore mental issues, I'm not right. saying you're this way because you're mentally defective. You you can be a fully functioning normal person and have your own sexual preferences, but it is now illegal to even consider the option. So you're, right. That is a law in my mind that is going to to genuinely kill people. It is going to result in the death of people. Because, and like even pastors, like say I ha- I'm raising my child a Christian, eventually they get to the age where they get to make their own choice, but for now in my house, my, my children are, are going to be raised under the, the concept of Christianity. If I, if I have a child that presents that way, and I take them to the pastor, the pastor isn't even able to, to talk about it. Yeah. Anything other than affirmation is illegal. It doesn't matter if you're a parent, a doctor, or a priest. So it, it's like we're letting children 
run the show. Right. Children who might be going through some very serious problems. Yeah. And because, are certainly exposed to some dangerous and, and, aspects. And when I'm going through this, I, I'm referring more specifically to the trans issue. Um, I, you know, the gay issue, I'm not, I don't doubt that some people just go through, like, some questionable, like, Some do, some don't. Some, some, it's, oh, some, yeah, some people right. are gay. I, 100%. Uh, <laughs> like, we can deal in facts. Like, yeah, yeah. And, and some people truly do suffer from gender dysphoria, and maybe, when you're an adult, the best way to deal with that is to live your life as that other gender, or, you know, as if yeah. you were that other gender. I have no problem with that. Do it. Do what nope. you want. I'll even probably say, call you, she or he or whatever. I'm like not gonna a, give you a made up. If you look like a girl, I'm gonna call you. Yeah. If you present yourself right. that way, I'm, I'm not, not gonna be. I'm not rude. looking I'm not to ruin anyone's day. No, I'm not gonna be rude. Now, but if I mean, you ask me, are you actually a woman or something? Well, probably. <laughs> like right. it, it, no. The conversations never. It's gonna never gonna go there. But, but like, yeah. if you if you, sh- if you come up to me in the hallway and you've got a mini skirt and a beard. Guess what, buddy? <laughs> I'm so, like, if you yeah. look like a dude and you're you're rocking a beard. Now I just think you're creepy, right? Yeah, and I'm pr- I'm probably gonna keep walking. But yeah, so but again, so adults do what you want, but in, in any case, do what you want. But with kids, this idea of yeah, we just need to affirm however they're feeling at that time. Well, no, sometimes kids who may be suffering from gender dysphoria, you're going to do permanent damage to them by not working through it with them. So I know with the Abigail Schreier thing, when she was going through, I think it was particularly in the UK that she was studying it, because they had a lot of data on the rapid onset gender dysphoria, and a huge number of them were girls, teenage girls, preteen and teenage girls. It would happen in, like, clusters at a school where, like, a group of them, uh, one by one, in pretty quick succession, would come out as transgender. Well, if the tracking of those girls over time showed that, I think it was, like, 80% of them ended up not... Detransitioning. Yeah, yeah, or not even... Some of them hadn't even transitioned. Okay. But, but... You know, it, th- who were saying that they were trans eventually came around and said, "No, no, no, I'm not." A, a good majority of them, I think, of those people ended up being lesbians. Yeah. And, and, and but this is actually the thing that the the point that I'm making is that like kids can end up being confused by things, right? Especially if you add to that some sort of sexual preference and you know differences. You know? Right when you and, when you offer it, them, if rat, or or like even even like tomboy girls, or effeminate men, if you start saying, well, actually, maybe maybe you're really a girl, or maybe you're right. really a boy. Well, that's not helpful. Right, like, you've now off like even if that might have been true, that might have been the trajectory they were on. Maybe, but it. But we like, all, you've we now also know that that's very more rare. Options. Right, yeah. you've now presented ideology that. <laughs> And again, like, y- how much is that steering their own development on itself? Yeah. I, I don't know, but when it comes to the, the, the conversion ban, it's, there's so much deeper to that that, that truly, I think, if... Even yeah, didn't not one conservative vote against it? I, I don't know the vote split on that one, but uh, it is... The, 
the limitations it puts on... It, again, it takes a very ugly and agreeable, despicable thing. Shock therapy. Should never yeah, 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 yeah. The fact that anyone ever did that... Like, as a parent, I don't care if I'm raising my kid in the 60s or in 2020. I'm going to punch somebody in the face over that. Yeah. You don't shock my kid Yeah. over anything. But the fact is, like, if I want to take my kid to a counselor to just be like, hey, like, I don't know, maybe I'm not familiar... Right, I'm not familiar with this. This is so far out of my, my scope. And frankly, I'd be afraid to take a kid to a right. counselor. I, I, I am not, I'm not big. I don't care. But it's like, I want the best for my kid. And if this is the path they're on, yeah. and, and I understand stats, and I know that this, this puts them into a 50% suicide rate, like, I want to at least make sure they're doing it in a, in a safe environment. And if it's the actual driving force. Right. That's illegal. Yeah. That's it, and it's it's scary. The, it's this is where like uh, this is how like conversation can start on COVID policy in Australia, but because everything is so interconnected, well, all, and it's all just falling apart. All of this is is coming to a head. Society is falling apart. Yeah, as a whole, from every different angle, mm-hmm. and it, it sometimes it feels like it's 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 motivated. Uh, yeah, and then, yeah, so... It Bring on Mad Max. Mad Max, yeah. Maybe. Maybe. I, I would like to see an amicable divide. I want to see peace. I don't even see... I would I would tolerate... Somewhat amicable. I, I would tolerate an amicable divide. I would much prefer fixing what we have and getting back to balance. I don't need my way every everything, and I don't want to give... I don't want to give way to everything, but we need we need to straighten up the pe- pendulum. Yeah, I just don't see how we do it. I I don't think I can leave anyone with with hopeful news today. Yeah, it's it, it's a it's a bad time. I think things are getting worse. I think all of those laws that we're seeing in in Europe, even though you know the Europeans are standing up against it on the ground anyway, but like the the. F- mandated vaccinations the permanent lockdowns for the unvaccinated that's weeks away here january is going to be a fiery month i think yeah well i mean our cases our cases are going to be over a thousand a day on average we should peak in january though we should peak in january but i'm just saying you know we're starting soon we're going to be over a thousand a day and you know, the rhetoric's just going to get turned up, even though no matter how much, you know, if you really look at the numbers, vaccination is providing less and less protection over time, both from infection and serious outcome. You know, you don't even have... It It, it does provide some protection. Statistically, so far, it is still providing some dis, uh, detect, uh, protection. But that's a dwindling uh, protection. Over time, it's less and less. So, but I, the rhetoric against the unvaccinated is just going to get turned up like crazy. Um, it, it it's going to be a dark time. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Uh, at this point, we're just basically sportscasters for the the downfall of whatever's to come. Uh, Unfortunately, that's all we can do right now. I guess. So yeah, there you have it. We're not uh, we're not leaving it on any any hope notes. Uh, hopefully, you guys can find some of your own 
if you find some, feel free to share. Uh, but before we take off, I uh, just want to remind everyone, pay the fee. Uh, if you liked what we had to say, if, if this conversation brought value, all we ask is that you share it with somebody else that, uh, that could use it or uh, might appreciate it. Until then, uh, stay free, everyone. Come and fly, come and fly away